Welcome back to another episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. This is a podcast series where we talk about movies that are rated 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, and we establish if it's worth it. Tonight's movie is the 2021 adventure drama sci-fi movie, Finch. Wow, what a mouthful right there. Yeah, not your grandfather's District 9. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight we are joined by Jeanette and Pal, both out in Southern California. What's going on, y'all? How's it going out here in Tinseltown, you know, where they make the movies? So, experts. Uh, kind of a bit of foreshadowing that the two Californians are on this episode. Hmm. And an original New Mexican. Hmm. This movie is actually shot pretty much all throughout the wonderful land of enchantment. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Interesting note there. All right. Let's get right into this here. So. Finch from 2021 is an adventure drama sci-fi movie directed by Miguel Sapochnik. I have no idea how to pronounce that name. Miguel, I apologize if uh, if I butchered that. You know Miguel as the uh, director of six episodes of Game of Thrones. He also directed Repo Men, and he was in the art department on the 1997 uh, romantic comedy A Life Less Ordinary. This also is starring Tom Hanks, the the iconic, the endless, the timeless Tom Hanks, you know, from Castaway, Big, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Philadelphia, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4. I think I'm missing a few, but that pretty much sums it up. This is not your grandfather's Turner and Hooch. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> this is also starring the, the voice of Caleb Landry Jones, you know him from X-Men First Class, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Get Out from 2017. And that pretty much nails the nails the cast. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is rated 6.9 stars on IMDb. It is also rated 74% by critics out of 159 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and an audience score of 66% out of just over 1,000 ratings. Not that bad. You know, um, usually when you think of Tom Hanks, he's always in the upper echelon. I think it's been probably decades since he's been in any type of clunkers. Yeah, for sure. I was unable to find a budget for this movie and... There was really only one major song on the uh, soundtrack, and that was American Pie. All right. Beautifully sung, by the oh, way, yeah. too, by, Na- by Mr. It. Hanks. Nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely did a great job. It's interesting that we're doing uh, two more modern movies from 2021 with Pig and Finch with these last two. Yeah. Just, you know, Cage and Hanks still, you know, still got it. They still got know? it. They still got it. Still putting out good films, you know, even better films, maybe, you know, you know what I mean? So, something to think about there. Well, I wanted to do something new year, new me, new year, new movie, right? I mean, these are the last movie and this one, both from 2021. So uh, this movie was released uh, on November 5th, 2021, and you can watch it right now on Apple TV+. And I think they actually talked about this on a recent episode of the Dan Levitard Show is Two Gods. And I think it was on the uh, local hour with uh, David Sampson uh, on Thursday, the 27th of January depending on whenever you listen to this this episode. 
That is correct because um, I don't think this is it. He doesn't have like a Sandler deal with Netflix where he's going to be like exclusive, but it is like that uh, John Hamm commercial where he's like, everybody's on Apple Plus. Everybody's on here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just to think that, you know, he started COVID. Now look where he's at. Well, him and, him and Rudy Gobert. <laughs> he was the first beloved beloved celebrity to contract covid we all Unless held our breath utah jazz fan very true american um, celebrity there we go <laughs> yeah now now, mm-hmm. now now you're finding it all right so this movie opens up in a dust storm uh we see a man just walking through a, this endless deserted place uh in a looks like a spacesuit. Um, and he's just, it looks like he's just walking here through uh, an abandoned parking lot. And we hear the dulcet tones of uh, Denny McLean's American Pie. Uh, we hear the person here in the suit singing American Pie. And we hear an alarm going off. Uh, and it says, UV radiation is high. Temp is 150 degrees Fahrenheit. Use caution. Body temp is high. 101.2. That's hot. Yeah, that was not ideal. Um, not not happening. No, didn't that did not look pleasurable at all. Not your grandfather's summer day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he uh, goes into this uh, this grocery store, this ninety nine cent store. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got this robot kind of following him. A little it looks like a robot dog. Uh, he calls for Dewey to follow him. That's the name of the robot. Uh, he tells Dewey to grab a bottle. It looks like from a dead rotting corpse on the ground. Um, he finds a can of dog food here and he says, someone's going to be happy tonight. I don't really know what that's in reference to yet. I had a feeling I was like, you know, he probably has a dog. You know, they always, in in these apocalyptic movies, there's always a, you know, cute little dog to keep somebody company. Well, I don't know if he was going to be eating it. Mm. Yeah. So he hears a loud bang and he scurries and uh, tries to find find some cover. Um, he hides behind some shelves and it's basically just a sign that fell down. Uh, we we now see him outside. He's spray painting a big X on the door. They jump into this huge dump truck. This thing is enormous. I mean, the size of these tires is at least six feet tall, maybe more. And he pops in the uh, the old cassette tape and American Pie continues. We see him looking at a map, and he's got a bunch of places just marked off and crossed off saying cleared. And he's driving through these deserted streets, these cars just completely covered by sand and dust. And he's bumping into these cars, and I, I thought this was uh, was pretty funny when he actually accidentally hits one of the cars. He says, oops, sorry. I guess it's, uh, even though it's a pos- po- po- yeah, post-apocalyptic time, um, the rules of the road and the mannerisms that you learned while learning to drive, they don't leave you. So even, you know, it's like, you, you know, like no one's there, whatever. You're still like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. You know, if you would have gotten off and like left the note, would it have been surprising? <laughs> <laughs> right. So nice we, kind man. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kindest, right. I, is he now America's like most beloved celebrity? With you know the passing of you know quite a few over the past couple of weeks, has to be right up there, top five maybe at least. Easily, easily sure, top yeah. five, easily. Yeah, I mean he he 
he gives people classic typewriters. He has a typewriter collection. And this, when he got COVID, I think this like eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid wrote him like a letter of like, get well soon. And he sent the kid a typewriter. Like one of those big boxy that Greg Cody probably had at the Miami Herald. Like one of those sets of typewriters. <laughs> That's awesome. That's such a great story. So we hear an alarm going off and it says uh, there's a warning about an air pressure drop. And he looks up and he sees just this huge habab just on the horizon. And it is closing in fast. So he uh, starts backing up and speeding off down the road. And he pulls into uh, this plant, this elect, you know, electric factory or, or some sort of factory. And it's, uh, it's TAE Technologies. And this sandstorm just completely engulfs him. Uh, he's dragging Dewey inside, and he is just struggling to get this this robot dog inside the building. They finally get inside. It starts to clean his uh, his spacesuit off here with uh, you know compressed air. Starts uh, cleaning off Dewey. We see him now in a shower, just cleaning up, and he's got all these scars all over his back. And this man is wayfish. He looks like Matt Damon in The Martian and Christian Bale in The Machinist had a love child. I didn't think he looked that bad. For the side angle that we got of a naked finch, Ninch, mm. I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn, daddy. But uh, yeah, I was like, it's, it's a shame he's all by himself. He could have gotten somebody. Moving into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder how much weight he actually had to lose for this or if this was all just CGI. Well, there were, I think it's probably a mixture because his, we don't really get too much of like his actual body because the costume that he wears is either the decontamination suit or like you know, regular clothes, but it's his face. So I don't know if they apply, applied prosthetics because his face looked like pretty puffy. Well, so, he's, he's also bearded up pretty heavily in this. So that that's going to cover up some of this. As, as a bearded man, I can tell you that I, I look a little bit more puffy than if I didn't have a beard. Hmm. That could also just be the weight. No, let's just go with the beard. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So he's sitting on this stool in the uh, in the shower, and he is just completely hacking up a lung. Uh, we now see him going down the stairs, and he punches into work. He actually hits a time clock. He puts on a security badge. He's going down to this uh, kind of bunker. It says "Home Sweet Home" there on the on the doormat, and we see we do see a dog. How about that? Nailed it. A good boy. I believe that's what it's called. <laughs> the good the goodest of boys. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's a uh, Talking to the dog, you know, you, you miss me, I miss you too. You know, I'm thinking about you all the time. Starts to play fetch with him and opens up the can of dog food, feeds him. And the bottle that Dewey pulled out was actually a nice little bottle of Jameson. So he pours himself a a tall glass of tall tall bowl of loudmouth soup, mix it up with some water there, and that's uh, that, that's his dinner. Oh yeah. With a with a slight the slightest bit of dog food. See, see, I, I told you he was going to eat that dog food. Oh, the stew got the strong and finch. <laughs> Stinch. Now we see him in a bedroom and uh, looks like a, some sort of library. He's got, you know, just walls and walls of books here. And he starts kind of flipping through, grabbing a 
a cart, filling it up with books. And we see this robot, this robotic hand just putting these things in some sort of chopping mechanism, chopping off the spines and starts to scan all the pages from these books into a computer. And he's sitting here making something. We, we can't tell exactly what this is quite yet. And we now see just the processing of the images and we see everything being scanned. And these are, you know, books on dogs and books on uh, RV vehicle maintenance and, um, you know, world encyclopedias. And we now see him actually building a robot. Dr. Frankenstein's monster. Hmm? (laughs) Not your grandfather's Frankenstein monster, huh? Oh, my God. (sighs) So now, now we see uh, Tom Hanks brushing his teeth and says he's going to brush a dog. And I got to say, the St. Louis blue sweater that he's got on right now, the throwback blue sweater is fire. Not a, not a blues fan at all, except when it came to Brett Hull singing Gloria, drunk off his ass. But this sweater, fire. You're just going to let me sit here and wallow in that? Oh, yeah, sorry. Gloria, no, that's so funny. I just, that's all I'm thinking. Gloria. I'm like, Gloria, I think I got your number. Gloria. Gloria. <laughs> I think I got your number. number. Glory, Gloria. 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 I think I got your number. Gloria. Gloria. Now we see Tom Hanks in bed reading a book, and it is a book on the effects of exposure to ionizing radiation. So not quite sure what this is about. I'm guessing it's got to be something with the outside factors and all this high UV stuff and extreme temperatures, 150 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. We now cut to a an outside shot here. He's got some sort of wind farm. He's got these giant, giant... Uh, wind turbines outside Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of kicking away. Uh, We now are kind of panning over some books that he's, that he's either reading or, or putting into the the computer. Uh, One of them says science is gamma flares. Another one is the apocalypse survival from May, 2028. So we know that this takes place a few years in the future here. We're not really sure when this takes place, but it's definitely futuristic. So we see him now continue to build the robot and he, uh, Goes over to Dewey, says, "I'm sorry, Dewey. I gotta take your, I gotta take your eyes." So he's taking the cameras that are Dewey's eyes, and he puts them into the new robot. That part kind of sucked. I felt bad for Dewey. Yeah, yeah. so so did I, because um, and also he didn't have much of an inflection when he said it. He was very, he was too calm for that. And I get that you're communicating with a robot, but it it's a robot that he's had a relationship with a long time. So you wouldn't just like, like nothing, not like a, a hint of, of, of anything in your voice that's apologetic or anxious or anything. He was just very like dry about like, got to take your eyes. Yeah. Just completely matter of fact, I'm taking your eyes. I'll get you another one. Got to sell mm-hmm. it a little bit better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Got to have some pause, at least some hesitation, you know? You know, so, some sort of empathy. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to take your eyes. I'll, I'll get you another one. Something. Little bit, just a little bit of remorse. Nice little bit of remorse there. Choking up on the Dewey. I gotta take your eyes. I'm so 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 sorry. But like, 
Dig your eyes, bro. Why would even bother telling him? You just could have been like, take him out. Yeah. It, it, him if down, that's, if that's how you're going to act, just take him. Mm-hmm. Selfish ass. <laughs> Sass. That was in the shower. Baby. Oh. Now we see him firing up this other robot. He's uh, entering in some code and they're doing some, he's basically uploading all the stuff that he'd scanned from the books into this data transfer tool. And he's just pouring this information in this new robot. We see him kind of come to life here. And he says, hello. It kind of reminds me of when he was talking to Wilson uh, in Castaway. He looks like Wilson. I was actually thinking. A little bit, yeah. Like a little bit of an homage here. It's like a robot Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of got that, that red palm face. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. He says, if you can understand me, say yes. We get a, a message popping up here. This device is not responding or, or compatible with the operating system. Please call technical support for assistance. Well, motherfucker, I am technical support. I literally <laughs> built you. Fun little humor there. Apocalypse humor. Yeah. Computers. Yeah. So now he kind of reworks it into, if you can understand me, nod your head. This robot just starts to nod his head back and forth. And he's like, you you can understand me. You You got me. And he's basically trying to have this this simple conversation with with his robot that he built. Yeah, and I like how it takes it takes a second, and then starts going up. You get the little flare going, and he and he just has like a little bit of a eureka moment because you know you have the a part of me is wondering like did he have all this firsthand knowledge or is it like literally he's been teaching himself how to use all of this stuff since he has all of the free time. Well, I think because this is a place that he worked at, right? The the security badge that he had was from the TAA Technologies. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he was some sort of robotics, you know, designer or or something. And this is Engineer. just second nature for him. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, when he puts the body together for this thing, the spine is pretty legit. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So he, he, during his apocalypse, you know, he put his time to use Dewey. Than this, that so we that, know of, because there could have been like many failed um, other robots that you know they start off one way, they don't meet the task. So from there, he either we see he takes the good parts and he puts them towards someone else. So there, there's probably like a room that's just like the scrap heap that yeah. he has, you know, um, unclaimed parts or something like that that he yeah. could draw from. Dewey kind of looks like he reminds me of one of those things from like Robot Wars or something like that where you had like the killing robots that would smash each other. I forget mm-hmm. what that show is called, but you, you you get me. Yeah. So now he's having this conversation with a robot and he says, "Tell me tell me something interesting." And in this super super robotic voice, he says that giraffes can last longer without water than camels. Bet you didn't know that. How about that? That was a very fun fact. Yeah, that that was the FOD. Made me then, think, huh? He says kangaroo rats can last even longer than giraffes without water, which we got to get we got to get Ron McGill's take on this and see if if these are actual actual facts. These are factual facts. Yeah, because maybe I mean, we, maybe we can get like a top five of animals that can go the longest without water, and see where indeed the camel fits in that top five. And why we've been fed this this story uh, for all these years. So once again, it's a the camel PR people. They're they're like been out in front of this the whole time. Yeah, 
For sure. So now he's asking the robot, tell me about your directives. And he gives him four directives. And these are coming straight from Isaac Asimov's, Isaac Asimov's basically theory of robots, theory of ro- uh, robotics. And the first one obviously is, you know, robot cannot harm a human or cause harm to come to a human by inactivity. And then he talks about, well, what's your fourth directive? And that is in Finch's absence, I'm to basically take care of, of your dog for the rest of eternity until you come back. Yeah. Priority number one, which is number four. You shouldn't, he should have just made it number one to make it less confusing for this robot. Like, well, I, th- I think he had to have the, f- the first three as the directives because that's just, you know, the theory of robotics. And the fourth one just kind of added in as like a little software update. Yeah, because it, it's either in the books that he scanned, he pro- probably those uh, directives are in there. And then he probably did something to kind of like also the dog fits into this. Yeah, you know, as well. Like these are your four core principles. All right, I see what you mean. So some kind of like coding procedure or something that that he uh, he had to add in there for the dog. Okay, yeah, I guess the, it, and he made it known this is the most important one. Yeah, Finch it's either fifteen point one point two. It's either supposed to be like his his like moral compass or his purpose for being are these four directives or they th- that's the core of why you exist. This is your purpose in life. Yeah. So now he's working on the robot still and power outage. We uh, we're completely dark inside and I don't know what's going on in my voice. I, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. So he needs to take it up and he gets his flashlights going on. He puts his little suit on. Heads up to the top, and we start seeing him, you know, almost like he's hot wiring a car. At least that's what it looked like to me. Gets a little turbine going. We find out he's actually, like, living inside of, a, like, a wind. Like a, and That's like how he's got this power, because it's like a wind turbine, right? Like, it's yeah. like one of those windmills. There we go. And then off in the distance, what do we see? We see another Uh-oh. huge storm. Not just a, this enormous habab. <clears throat> Just building up on the horizon. Thunder, lightning, gigantic yeah. here's clouds. A, here's a limited fake for you guys. There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> That's really good. That's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, what's coming to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? Like 15 different storms at once. Because he goes down and it's like awesome how he's able to just like plug in this data into the robot. With you know, he just starts asking. Uh, well, name to be determined later. So he starts talking to not Wilson, who's just like you know in this like neck brace, like kind of fixated head. And he's like, "I'm going to plug you into the weather analytics, and I want you to know, download everything and let me know what you know what's coming our way." And that's where we find out we get like the super storm of all time. It's going to last like 40 days, and just completely yeah. bury them and like wipe them out and like not allow them to do shit because it's like 15 storms converging on them at once. It's like, it's a, as if it's as if it's like singling them out. Like it, like mother nature knows they're fucking there. We're taking, we're taking Hanks, his little robot crew, his little dog too. All of them. <laughs> too. Perfect. So they start coming up with a plan on how to get the hell out of there. Uh, they're talking about where to go. South is out of the question. The Northeast is out of the question. Too many people don't want to deal with that. Um, so they decide we're heading west. We're heading out to Calaf 4 and IA. 
California. Knows how to party. Here we go. So now we're in this montage of him uh, gathering up all the supplies, and he starts bleeding uh, kind of profusely out of his nose. And we're, we're slowly finding out that, that he's sick and does not have a lot of time. He's not long for this world, uh, as it were. And if you've seen the last movie we talked about, Pig, he cleaned the blood right away. As opposed to just being a bloody stump of a mess throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> this this is how you do cage. it, Cage. This is how you do mm-hmm. it. If you bleed, Take a shower. you shower it up. Exactly. Yeah, it, even this guy, post-apocalyptic, he can still shower. You're just living in the freaking woods. And this is how you do post-apocalyptic, by the way. And you don't need all the goddamn rubble in the world. I'm not letting that go. <laughs> so now we're uh, cutting to Hank's putting together this robot he's he's got a body now he's got legs and he's telling him all right you you got you got to mimic me we we got to ramp up your learning here so go and follow me and he starts walking in place one two one two one two and the robot starts to mimic him and imitate him and one two one two and now he says all right this is walking forward so basically just teaching him how to walk and the robot is still tethered to all the data transfers, and as he starts to walk, he, he gets he gets pulled down by the by the cables. He said, "All right, this is falling." And I had I had a good laugh at that. Very wholesome moment. Tom yeah. Hanks in the Wilson robot, learn you know, learning its favorite step. Like it very reminiscent of a baby deer. Very it's not Wilson, yeah. Yeah, not not Wilson still walking around here, learning how to walk. We see Hanks gathering up all the supplies, getting getting everybody ready to get the hell out of Dodge. They uh, they pack up everything, and they they look like they're about to go. This is a little slow motion uh, walkthrough, like they're about to jump onto like a spaceship heading to go bust up an asteroid or something. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Or uh, like. To me, it reminded me of uh, The Hangover when they're walking yes. their night out and it's like super slow because <laughs> he has the the suit. He has a suit in like um, one of those dry cleaning bags. So he has some he has a dry cleaner bag and it's just like so bizarre. He's like really careful with it. And then he has all the dog walking slow and then the other two robots coming along. So it's like it's a weird little moment. <laughs> And not Wilson is carrying all the luggage. Mm-hmm. Of course. So now they're jumping into this uh, this RV, and it is a 1984 Southwind uh, something or other, and they uh, they bust ass here out of the uh, out of the compound, out of this factory, and we get a nice little overhead shot of just a completely deserted city. They St. Louis. Unrecognizable. Yeah, completely unrecognizable. They didn't see the arch at all. And the reason it's completely unrecognizable is because it's Albuquerque, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I recognize basically every little highway entrance here that they're jumping onto. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Not Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood after all, huh? Not, not even a little bit. Beep's Mr. Beeps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're, we're driving through Mr. Beep's neighborhood. Now we have a montage of them driving. They're driving through uh, all these deserted areas. And this spot right here where they're driving through in this little scene is actually the White Sands National Monument. 
Mm. White sands from Mexico. And you'll be able to tell because all the sand is completely snow white. How about that? That's when he's like, this field used to have grass and flowers. And he's like, bees. You would have liked that. He tells the dog he would have liked bees. (laughs) Like, do you know what bees do to dogs? They sting them. Yeah. Like, 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 but, uh, you know, you're you're sick, so you get a pass. (laughs) Forgot how bees work. And as they're driving down the road, we see the storm in the distance still basically about to hit downtown St. Louis. And the road that they're driving on during that scene is actually uh, one of the roads from Book of Eli, where basically the opening part of Book of Eli, where he's in that post-apocalyptic desert. That was actually that road. How about that? Mm. Wow. You live in the apocalypse. Yeah. If, if you want to you <laughs> film a movie about the apocalypse or post-apocalyptic you know, whatever it's going to be filmed in New Mexico, book of Eli Finch, uh, Terminator salvation, all those post-apocalyptic all filmed in Albuquerque. How about that? More, you know, what else we got beat? What's next on this movie? So now we are stopped because he's got some sort of mechanism that's loose in his head. And they're talking about, um, going out and finding some more food so they go and they find a movie theater that's locked up. And he's talking about, uh, you know, that there, there's a few things. Watch me then imitate. Now, lesson number one, lesson number one is never passing the opportunity for your next meal. And lesson number two is the sky is full of uh, holes like the Swiss cheese. <laughs> and... The robot kind of gets stuck looking up at the sky, looking for Swiss cheese. And I thought this was absolutely hysterical. The, I love the, the innocent, naive like nature to, of uh, not Wilson. Yeah. Like it's very sweet. Like just like seeing the innocence of him as he's learning and growing, being next to Hanks in these, in these earlier moments specifically where you see a lot of this naiveness with the robot it's really interesting yeah it's also like he's um finch talks to the robot i think um in that way that we all talk to children where because we have the benefit of experience we don't fully explain things so he doesn't tell him why these things exist like he doesn't tell him you know the reason you have to, can't pass up the opportunity for your next meal is because if you don't eat you die right you have to be careful where you step when you're outside with the dog because we don't have a ozone layer and the UV rays will, you know, are, are damaging and also not trying to do too much damage. We're going somewhere because, um, like if there are other people around, they might come and attack you or something. So he just t- tells him these things from his own experience, but doesn't tell him like, this is how I learned this. And I don't, he just has the assumption that as a, being with a greater conscious that the robot will understand where he's coming from, but he doesn't. He, he's not explaining the why behind the why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they get inside the movie theater, he finds some, some old popcorn, uh, brings it outside and they find a hubcap and they start popping this popcorn and the robot just loses it at this point. Not Wilson just has no idea what the hell's going on. And this popcorn is just going off and they're having a blast and uh, I don't know why they're not saving this popcorn, especially if you're not going to pass up your last meal. You know, from from the looks of it, he just 
looks to go a little bit off the rations, but also just sometimes when you need to enjoy it, you need to enjoy it. So like when he was freaking out, out about the storm and you had that really intense moment where he eats that can of peaches, a you know, peach. a peach. <laughs> and be, I mean, I'm assuming cause like once you open it you got to, you know, yes, especially, especially those can, peaches. The, those, those things will go yeah. fast. They, it's been know. in the can for like 15 years. What's another day? But not not after you open it. Once once you open it, it's, you got like a day and a half at most. Exposed. So as they're popping this popcorn, we hear another warning uh, about this this air pressure drop and this storm that's basically coming in, and they they hightail it out of here. And it is this huge huge tornado that is just uh, barreling down on uh, on top of them. So they pull off to the side of the road, and they bust out these giant spikes and they're going to tether down this RV uh, in hopes that this, you know, tornado doesn't uh, send them off to, uh, off to the land of Oz. So he's got the robot out here, just using his robotic muscle and just pounding these spikes in one, one hitter quitter. And he says, you know, go ahead and tighten it down, you know, make sure there's no slack. And Finch is now starting to kind of feel some effects of, of his illness. He can't even swing the hammer. Uh, the robot, not Wilson, says, you know, go ahead, go back inside the RV. I got this. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this with with my, you know, robot muscle. And this tornado just comes through and annihilates absolutely everything in its path. It picks up the uh, picks up the RV, uh, it snaps three of these tethers, and this RV is just hanging on by a thread. Uh, this tornado finally passes and smashes back down to the ground, and we see this just complete wave of destruction that this tornado did and only one of these tethers that uh not wilson tied down is uh still intact which is pretty awesome yeah i guess that highlights i guess the the how right he was to build the robot but also like i mean i would imagine that with your own hands it would be difficult to try to you know hammer in a spike into a concrete road so the fact that he was actually able to do three impressive yeah but uh kind of you know given his condition understandable why they didn't stay and as we're looking around the vehicle here one of the tires is completely shredded uh they ha- they end up having a spare but they they uh they don't have a jack unfortunately for the uh for this uh fleetwood south wind and the uh, robot says here not wilson i've located a spare but no jack that's that's my living to fake not Wilson. Which is which is which is pretty close. This whole time I was referring him referring to the robot as Yakov Smirnov. I was waiting for a in Russia. I jack you. Hell yeah. We have no money. So not Wilson walks over here to the front of the uh front of the rv and just lifts it up himself he, he jacks it up himself and hell yeah <laughs> and finch here uh finch you know pops on the spare tire and they are back on the road on the road again this is where we start talking about his name about not wilson actually having a real name because he loved being the jack so he says well how come i can't be called jack well because jack is a thing it's not i mean you can't Jack's a tool's name is, is what he says. <laughs> and then he says, well, I like the name Rover. Well, you can't be called Rover. That's a dog's name. Well, the, what about the first planetary Rover on Mars? <laughs> that sounds like Borat. <laughs> well, it, 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 he's got a little Borat in him too. <laughs> My name is Jack, not. 
very nice. I like that. I like Jack. I like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so now he says, well, how come I can't have a have this name Rover? It's a dog's name. Well, what about the dog? Does he have a name? So yeah, he's, he's got a name. It's Goodyear. Besides, who needs names? It's, it's just the two of us. I mean, you know me. I know you. What's the point of having a name? So the robot starts to think now, and he says, uh, you know what? I'm going to be called Jeff. I cannot remember a dog ever be named Jeff. So, yeah, you're, you're going to be called Jeff. Then with your permission, Finch, my name will be Jeff. My name is Jeff. I like. Hi, Finch. It's Jeff. <laughs> I know all about tax law. <laughs> Jeff, if you can hear me, just know I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut up, Walter. I wonder if Jeff the robot can do a Mitch Kupchak impression. Rover, you asshole. <laughs> Good year. <laughs> All right, moving on. So now it's the next morning, and the dog is just barking his ass off, and and Jeff is acting like a dog, and he's trying to communicate with with Goodyear. And then I I thought our communication might improve if I learned to talk dog. They're not even on a podcast. right away this recording <laughs> <laughs> so now they're driving down the road here and uh finch and jeff are having a, a conversation about about trust and he talks about uh, his experience trying to build something before and how he didn't trust any of his team and his boss basically gave him kudos and all all these you know great accolades and and applauses about this thing that he built and he didn't even trust his own team and he's like he reminded oh. me of eric so much here at this point how come Finch don't like team? <laughs> Wait, I remind you of Eric? No, no, no. Uh, Jeff. Oh, Je- Jeff. Jeff the Jeff. robot. Yes. Yeah. Jeff. How come Finch don't like team? Why no Finch won't be team? It's like, well, you know, trust is is trust. Uh, like acting. I'm like, whoa, like, oh my god, that's like the most parent thing ever. When your kid asks you something, and it's just like, it is what it is, right? Well, it's also like that scene from uh, Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams is talking to the philosophy class, and he asks one of the kids, you know, what what is trust? And he says, trust is trust is life, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So they're having this real heart-to-heart conversation, and he's basically saying, you know, my, my team is a bunch of knuckleheads. I'll, I never trust them. And that's it. That's the conversation about trust. So, I, I, like, you, like, I know what trust is, and I sat through the story, and I was, I was like, I agree with the robot. That's not trust. <laughs> you keep saying this word trust. I don't think you know what it means. 
Trust me. Don't trust me. <laughs> so now Jeff, the robot is saying, you know, Hey, you know, let me drive. He's like, I'm not going to teach you. I, you I'm not going to let you drive. You just learned how to walk yesterday. And Finch starts to, uh, starts to cough up blood and he knows that it's kind of a, a dire situation. So they pull off the road. He's, uh, going to this diner, this gas station diner, and he's going to try and find some sustenance here at this, uh, at this gas station. Bob's big boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mi- I miss, uh, big boys. Hell yeah. No. <laughs> I just hell yeah. My own joke. How about that? <laughs> Leave it in. What? I- <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Finch. Leave it in big boy. <laughs> So Finch is walking inside the restaurant, and they they he sits down and he starts to just throw up and vomit all over the place. He's like, "All right, you know, let's uh, let, let's get the dog inside. You know, let, let's take a break." And the dog is just not listening to Jeff at all. He's like that, that's not how you do it. You you, you got to talk to him. You got to say, "Hey, come on, Goodyear, this way. Come on, boy." He's saying, "You just stay here, watch the fort. You hold it down. We'll go inside, take a break, because you don't need to take a break. You're you're Jeff the robot." So Jeff gets in the uh, the driver's seat and he starts, you know, kind of fiddling around. And next thing you know, he's driving, fake driving, and he actually turns on the RV and starts to drive and wrecks the RV into a car. And Finch is losing his mind. What the hell are you doing? Don't, 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 how? I know you were just born yesterday. But I need you to grow up. Oh, classic. That that's a great line. Classic Hanks, you know. That yeah. reminded me of um he delivered that with the same energy of when he when Woody told Buzz, You are a toy. Like you're, you're not a, a space ranger. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just heard Woody like in that thing. You are a toy. <laughs> all we ever hear with him so now he runs outside and goodyear the dog starts to run after him and he tries frantically to stop him from going out into the sun which you know now is we know is going to absolutely kill him fry him and he's saying hey jeff you okay you drive did you just drive the rv and (laughs) jeff kind of pokes his head out and he says no i didn't it did roll though (laughs) <laughs> so he, he's he's trying to play it cool here he's he's pissed beyond belief but he's trying not to show that emotion to to the robot to to jeff and saying i have seen you drive i know how yeah this was like really when he shows him like why the sun is harmful when he sticks out his hand and it just gets like like cooked well, instantly it, yeah totally like what is it like a second or two and you just hear like the sizzle yeah and he takes it out and he explains about how damaging the uv rays are to him and to the dog and to bring him the suit you know so they can get back in there well i guess so he can he was planning on moving the the rv back yeah he was saying you know i I need you to fetch me the the art the the UV suit, the the cooling unit, the helmet, everything. Just go ahead and bring it over to me. And he says, "You understand?" He says, "Understood." And he jumps back in the RV, 
and starts to back it up and and Finch is just losing his fucking mind right here. Jeff the robot wrecks the RV into the uh, into the restaurant. Oops. <laughs> I am an excellent driver. Nah. <laughs> like oh come here. Come here you you oh. He says no you're you're not an excellent driver. You're you're an excellent apprentice. I am an excellent apprentice. <laughs> so the way this stupid, sad little robot was doing a little fucking fit in the back of the of the RV to get his way to get behind the wheel. Remember that? Yeah. And he's like, okay, fine. I guess we'll give him a shot. Then driving montage. Yep, driving montage. And uh, Finch decides, you know, it's it's time to teach Jeff how, Jeff how to drive. So they actually go into this, uh, you know, kind of deserted salt mine, it looks like. Which actually, this salt mine was a filming location for the action comedy thriller MacGruber from like 2011. How about that? Wow. Yeah, I I, I was an extra in that movie, and that's that's how I remembered where this spot was. How about that? Yeah. So Jeff is, is <laughs> so Jeff is driving down the uh, driving down the road here, just oversteering, understeering, and not looking at the road. At not looking at the road at all. <laughs> just. Just put, pulling the uh, pulling the uh, the no, the old no look drive, I think from was it Fast and Furious or Too Fast Too Furious, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is like the most quintessential teaching someone how to drive in the movies or TV. It's like don't go too much over there. No, you're going to so where you're going to get that. All the scrapes and the bumps along the way, trying to get the thing straight. So now driving montage is over and they are outside, which makes sense now that it's dark. They're at a, uh, he's built a little campfire and it is, it's kind of cold. He's got a nice little jacket campfire going and we see the Northern lights, the Aurora Borealis. Which is, which doesn't naturally occur here in the lowland United States. It only happens in the Northern hemispheres and the higher altitudes. And then here he kind of explains a little bit of there was this uh, like solar flare, solar flare yeah. that took out um, took out the, the ozone, the ozone, yeah. and stuff started burning up like right away, and uh, some of the stuff that happened with people, you know, cattle, plants dying, and everybody just like going back to basics to try to survive. Because he does ask him, he's like, why don't we, if it's, if the night is safer, then why don't we move at night? And he explains to him how dangerous it is, dangerous it is because of the unpredictability of other people. Because of people, right? I mean, they're the unknown in this, in this whole situation. And he says, you know, people being unknown, that's why we do travel during the day because I can see, I can see him coming. So now he's uh, he's heading back in. He says it's too cold for these old, all these old bones, and he's going to head back into the RV. And Jeff the robot says, "If it's fine with you, I'll stay out for a little while longer." I was, I was like, "That was so weird." Yeah, he, <laughs> like if you would have told him no, he's like you got to get back inside right now. I wonder if you would have just been like five more minutes, bitch. <laughs> so now it's it's morning. We we got some uh, some sunrise going on and Jeff the robot hears uh Finch just dying. He is is coughing and throwing up in the uh, in the RV here. 
And so he makes this calculated decision. Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going, what do you want me to do? He says, well, you know, find me a doctor. And he starts laughing his ass off and he's like, okay, well, I'm driving. We're going to the hospital. Right. And it very, yeah, very sad moment here because I don't know. You, you just keep having these reinforcing moments of like, I don't know. He keeps, he, he has, he has hinted already a couple of times now on this trip that he's not even sure if he'll, him, he himself will make it in this yeah. condition to the West coast. So we pull up to the hospital and Finch is in bed, just passed out. And now we have Jeff taking Dewey into the hospital. And he says, you know, what? we're, we're going to do things just the way Finch taught me when we were looking for food at the movie theater. You know, never willfully destroy another person's property. Um, number one, never pass up a meal. Um, but a little extra muscle is not going to hurt. That's a figure of speech, by the way. And he's basically just repeating all this stuff that, that Finch was talking to him about. Um, he says, lesson three, up there, it's like Swiss cheese. And he's basically just pointing up into the, the cavernous ceiling of the, of the hospital. Now we hear the alarm going off and Finch starts waking up. UV radiation is high, 144 degrees. And he's like, where the hell are we? Where's, where's Jeff? Where's Dewey? So he puts on his suit and he goes into the hospital looking for, looking for his robots. The robots are in here looking for food and looking for medicine. And he finds his coat. This, this, uh, this coat little scene was, was pretty funny. Pops this thing on and he's got the hood going. And I was, I was dying laughing. Look at my coat. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> Jeff is a free elf. <laughs> uh, Dewey spots this, uh, this box of cookies um, and tries to kind of reach it and he can't quite reach it. And he rolls over this box and he gets completely demolished by this, by this bear trap. And uh, my heart just sank. Yeah. yeah just- I fell for Dewey. You just see his like quivering joint with the little tennis ball and the little noise like like those were his agony squeaks and it's uh Finch that takes him out of his misery, just like pushes yep. the buttons like just goodbye my friend. Shuts him down. Turns him After off. I gave you my eyes. <laughs> So Finch hears some noises going on up the stairs and he hears cans rattling around and dropping on the ground. And he starts to look up the stairs and he sees this giant figure in this coat and it's Jeff. And he says, what the hell are you doing? Well, you know, wh- what are you doing out here? And Jeff is trying to explain to him in, in what Finch was telling him, you know, initiative. I, I, you, you told me to go do these things before and now I'm doing them. I'm, I'm taking initiative. I'm, I'm being, being the bigger robot. I take initiative. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so they they hightail it back to the uh, back to the RV because he can hear some other things going on inside the hospital, and they just start booking it out of there. And they he is flying down this road, and he starts to cough and and starts to lose it, and his his blood pressure is up, his heart rate is super high, so he goes back and lays down. And Jeff takes the wheel, and they are just going through the uh, the desert here at night. And off in the distance, they see some headlights following them and trailing them. And it's probably a vehicle that was following them since the hospital. And 
they just start tearing it down here and they jump off of the road and head out head underneath the overpass and hit the underpass and the finch is making some calculations here on getting this vehicle underneath the overpass and it's just not going to fit and jeff tries to stop him he says you know the the, the clearance is 13 feet seven inches and he says well we're going to get it but because of the modifications he made wrecks the wrecks the top of the rv here completely destroying the solar panels that are basically giving this rv some life yeah that was um, a very gripping moment because you he's put jeff is trying to like get them under to hide them so that they don't get seen and he does manage to accomplish this right at that perfect moment but it's kind of like uh Finch is just you can tell he's like so mad at himself that he he lost control he let his anger and everything get the better of him and now this vital part of the RV has been destroyed and can't be can't be put back together because they don't have they're not going to find extra solar panels you know around and you know where they're at right now and Finch is looking through the the rear view, uh, rear window here of the RV, and he still sees the lights coming down the highway. And Jeff bolts it out of the RV, and he starts to just basically force this RV underneath the overpass, just scraping the rest of those uh, solar panels off the top of the RV. And he finally does get it just under the overpass, right as the car is on top of them. And my heart was thumping, thumping during this entire entire scene. Yeah, one of the one of the few uh, more stress inducing moments of this, especially the way they set it up with not you not really seeing the, who the figure is in that car, uh, that car that's after them. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the shower scene from Psycho. You you never actually see the killer. It's just the the thought of violence and and the anticipation of some violence. Yeah, that's what gets you. It's the anticipation that gets you. Hell yeah. So then in this next scene, they had a really good start to the music. And to me, it kind of reminded me of, uh, I don't want to miss a thing. So I was like, ooh, Aerosmith. And there was something else. That's <laughs> 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 what I thought. I was like, ooh, Steven Tyler. No, some original piece, some composition. I was like, oh, okay, not Steven Tyler. It was a song by Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> So they're back in the RV and Finch is telling him the story of what happened after the solar flare. And he said that the, the flare is not what killed everybody. It's it, we did that to ourselves. So he's going through, he's talking about the story of how he basically found, found Goodyear. Um, he's in this flashback scene here and he's inside this, it looks like some sort of big box store, like a Walmart or something like that. And he's scavenging some supplies and he sees, um, this child, this this young girl, and she's there with, with her mom. And we see this car kind of pull up here in the distance and take all the supplies from the mother and daughter, and they kill the mom and, and the young girl. And that that scene sucked a lot. Yeah, because he had explained that at that point, the little girl was armed with a gun and her mom had told her if someone comes towards you if you see someone you do what i told you and what she told what he what she taught her was to shoot and he knew like 
if she sees me, she's going to kill me. So I got to stay hidden. So even when he's hearing, you know, them getting robbed, he couldn't act because he would have died as well. And that has to be like not being able to act or to try to intervene. You you could see that on his face that yeah. it, 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 it stayed with him, you well, know, because because it's like was my my life do i risk my life for people i don't know and then what if in the end like if if, let's say he was able to somehow subdue the guy with the gun the rifle like are those people like what's their reaction to him like if if, after the gratitude wears off like they're still like you know so it's just like that loss of connection to another person in a moment of vulnerability it's like you can't have it in this world in their world and it, and it kind of goes to the directives that he gave to jeff right he said your first directive is to never harm a human being and by your inaction never let harm come to a human so by his inaction he's letting harm come to a human so it all kind of came full circle there how about that so he opens up the uh the the little girl's backpack and inside is just this little puppy um you know and it's it's goodyear and he says what what are we gonna what what are we gonna call you and he sees a um the the backpack is actually inside of a goodyear tire and he says well we're gonna call you goodyear and now we get another driving montage and uh jeff is is behind the wheel driving and as he's driving a butterfly crashes into the window and and he has killed this butterfly and He's like, I never, I didn't mean to do that. You know, what's, what's going on? So they, they stop the, stop the RV and Finch slowly puts his hand outside and he realizes that he's not getting cooked. Mm-hmm. That was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Um, that he was, they were in a safe atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, especially cause like when he got cooked earlier, I was Cringing real hard, and I was, I've been war- wondering about that hand. Right. Like, how's that doing? Does he have like the antibiotics to like take care of it? Does he just he just let it sizzle and then that's it? What what, what happened there? And we see Finch stepping outside here without the suit, and he's you know bathing in the sun. It's this first time he's probably been outside without his suit in you know ten, fifteen years, something like that. You know, who, who knows? At how least, long. yeah. You know, it's it's kind of crazy to think how much we take the outside and and the sun for granted. It's almost like he's kind of bathing in the sun. (laughs) So he's walking down the road and he sees another butterfly just on a rock and he sees a a flower growing on the side of the road here in the desert. And they drive up the road a little bit and they decide to park it outside. And he's putting on this, this 1950s white suit with his big white fedora on, and and he's about to have a picnic out here with uh, with Jeff and Dewey, and or uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Goodyear. and Goodyear. And they're sitting here having having canned peaches, and they're talking about about life, and um, he tells them about his his dad and how everyone thought that he was a Viking, which that's going to come into play here in a little bit, a little future callback. Yeah, because uh, he's. Um, he basically grew up without his father. He didn't know who his father was until he was like, what, 15 years old. And that whole Viking thing, I guess, was just a nice way of like 
he wasn't here with you he you know whatever he didn't accept his responsibility type of thing that's how i took it like he just took off yeah, he was uh he was in the army and he was an engineer and he was a, a bridge builder. So that's why all these postcards that that Finch has have all these have all these bridges. And he's he's sitting here talking about uh how much all these bridges kind of meant to him and all these places that he wanted to go see, but uh never did actually, which you know, now that he's kind of looking back on his life, he's really wishing that he would have taken some of these adventures. Right. Like, I don't like, I don't know how much of like now in, uh, in the pandemic, how much that speaks to people or, you know, whatever point, wherever we are in the pandemic, where it's like, look how, look how much you've sacrificed in the past three years. And when things get better, all that stuff that you're like, well, later on, start doing it. And, uh, I think some people will take advantage of that. And other people are, going to just be like, I'll just wait for the uh, vaccination rates to go up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, a little bit the, more caution. It's the, yeah. the carpe diem, seize the carp. Mm-hmm. So they're still sitting out here talking, and f- this is the first time we actually hear Finch say that he's dying. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to make it to San Francisco. I'm not going to make it here to the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I'm going to teach you how to do a couple more things. Like, you know, how to take care of Goodyear and how to play fetch with him and, and how to get him to trust you. Yeah. And he's he's just like, I don't know. He's never liked me or he doesn't uh, just the dog has like no desire for his company, which I thought shifted a slight like the slightest bit. You could kind of track it was before they got to the hospital and Jeff is nursing Finch in the RV, yeah. And you know, after he threw up and he applies the cloth, and he, you know, the the dog kind of like, even though he's still barking at him, still like looking at him and sees this care that he has with him. So he's just like, I guess he's kind of not that bad. He's just weird looking. Yeah, and you really you really see that connection when he actually does start playing fetch with Goodyear. He actually throws the ball, and Goodyear is actually playing playing fetch with uh, fetch with Jeff. And mm-hmm. they're having a grand old time. And now we get Finch just really coughing up more blood. And now he's bled all over his, his nice white suit. He, uh, he gets a nice little hug here from, uh, from Jeff. He says, I, d- I don't want you to go out. I want you to be absent. Well, when I'm gone, you know, you, you got to do your fourth directive and you got to take care of Goodyear here in my absence. You know, I'm going to be gone for a very long time. And so Jeff watches uh watches finch go inside here and finch says goodbye to goodyear and he dies in his sleep pretty pretty sad moment here now we cut to jeff making a a funeral pyre here uh like on the postcard that his dad sent him um which is kind of how the the vikings would do it and Mm -hmm. he cremates him in the in the viking way so jeff says, hey, you know, we're we're gonna move on. We're we're gonna finish this trip and he packs up Goodyear and they start driving and they start to play fetch outside a little bit. They they stop and he gets more trust and and Goodyear's now actually paying attention to to Jeff and they, they start to actually have this bond and they end up making out there to uh to San Francisco to the Golden Gate Bridge and they see a bunch of postcards and pictures from people from you know other humans saying hey you know we we've made it this far come find us 
um, at uh, at this compound in in Marin County, and you know we're we're gonna make it, and looks like we're not the only ones that have come this way, and we see a postcard here that it, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that Jeff probably drew this, and it's mm-hmm. a picture of Jeff and Finch and Goodyear standing on the uh, on the Golden Gate Bridge, and roll credits. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the the way that they alluded to like if you didn't like if you didn't know through the subtlety that Finch had died, it was the believe the next morning when Goodyear is just howling like crazy, just shrieking and you're just like like, oh, he knows, right? Like that that his he probably wanted to wake him up or whatever and he's just going crazy knowing that you know, he passed. So yeah. All right, let, let's get into some trivia here. So when Finch activates the robot, he reminds him of his four prime directives. The first is Isaac Asimov's first law of robotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, the robot, is learning throughout the whole film. At the beginning of the movie, Jeff is talking like a simulated robot. But as the movie progresses, he talks better and better because he can hear how Finch pronounces the words. Same with his actions and movements. And as the movie goes on, his moves become more, more human than robot. This way, the audience can clearly see that he is learning. Uh, Jeffrey is Tom Hanks' middle name. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, Finch wears Nike sneakers like in Forrest Gump, the character that (laughs) Hanks played in the Robert Zemeckis picture, and Robert Zemeckis produced this film. Yes, he did. And yeah, that's, uh, that's really about it. All right. Let's get into our our ratings, our reviews here of this. And just to kind of recap, uh, our rating system is, yeah, I'd absolutely watch this again. Great, great movie. Meh, eh, probably not. Once is once might be enough. I, I might see the second time, but probably not. And then, feh, get out of here. This movie is trash. I'll never watch it again. So, pal, we're going to go to you first here. What do you think? All right, so it's going to be Cine uh, Yeah for me. You know, I thought it was a cute little tale. You know, a little uh, modern version of Homeward Bound, if you will. Ooh. Uh, just a just an interesting take on it, where you just have these buddies, you know, taking a you know, call it a modern road trip, if you will, not your grandfather's road trip. But I thought it was a very good movie, and uh, one that I could see myself sitting down watching with another person. Easy. Awesome. All right, Jeanette. What about you? I, I think part of a lot of these things, um, uh, I think a contributing factor to my decision is the ease of finding the film. So, like, I'm subscribed to Hulu and Netflix and then whatever comes with my cable script subscription. I'm not a cord cutter, so I don't have, like, all the different services. And even though I am an Apple user, I don't have Apple TV+. Plus. Hmm. So to go and make that effort to sign up for something, I think that it would be something where Apple TV for its films, they have to be knocking out things where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't not miss that because that looks so awesome or has a particular actor or whatever. I didn't have this with that movie when it was announced in November. And even when I watched it, I'm like, okay, let's see what, what Apple is bringing to the table out of their own studio, you know, with this um, great actor that I know these, you know, 
director producer combinations that are outstanding and i was just like i like i i i felt like for as long as it was because almost two hours there was some stuff that was missing for me in whatever the story is supposed to be like i think i would have wanted to learn more about him and his backstory and uh stuff like that and his motivation like why like I, I like more of his motivation for what he did after the flare so for me it, it didn't feel like a complete movie in that way and also not having the ease to find it so for me it would be a nah. Fair not, enough. not all not all the way of like fat never watch it again or anything disparaging that i think there was a lot of great you know you know highlighting a lot of the great um you know new mexico and utah like certain parts of california like all that scenery was great but i just think there was so much more that was needed there and to me at when i finished watching i was like well like i could have just done wally (laughs) wally kind of has some of the same stuff yeah you know even in that like it, it tugs at me more, but this one I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it left me feeling kind of flat as well. I, I didn't really have a huge, you know, connection to, to this film and to, you know, his, his, his whole existence. There were some fun, some great parts in there, you know, when, when Jeff is learning how to, you know, how to walk and he falls down and, uh, when they're, you know, kind of scavenging through the hospital and he's having the conversation with Dewey, I thought some of those parts were, were great, but, but overall, I, I did not feel, I was not satisfied with this, with this movie. Um, so it, it is going to be a meh for me. Um, you know, I, I, I love Tom Hanks. This one, this one just, this ain't it, dog. This ain't even, it. Even him in his moments, and we did say it, um, it was hard for him to, as great of an actor as he is, it was hard for him sometimes to deliver in those scenes. And I don't know if that's because he's, you know, green screening it and it's like pretend that there's a thing here or, the you know, the actual robots are there and he has to, and, and, he, and he couldn't. So maybe yeah. if this had been kind of like... Um, you know, zombie land or where it's and where it's more, a couple people. Driven. Yeah. Right. A, if a there was another people. person, it, if it's him and, and instead of the dog, maybe it's his, his, it's his child all along. And you know, that like how he saved his kid, yeah. uh, like in, uh, you know, um, I am legend or something like that. Right. Maybe that's what it needed. I understand that this was made during COVID. Uh, it, so it actually it, wasn't. It was actually filmed before before the whole pandemic. It was filmed in uh, in 2019. Mm. So it was, it was so, filmed before all that. Yeah, so it was purposeful. Because even sometimes when, when they were doing the one-on-one scenes and they were trying to get very philosoph- philosophical about how the human population just kind of turned on each other. Yeah. I was like, okay, there's a there's a moralizing here that they want us to understand about the pen, current pandemic, and it just was just like, do what you got to do to survive. And I'm was like, okay, like you know, there was there's nothing of that like, yeah, like you know, like what should we try to do? It was like none of that, and I was just like, hmm. yeah, but, and, uh, and I think, know. yeah, 
But and I think the, that he was able to do great things with Castaway because there was that whole part of the movie at the beginning and then at the end where there was other people that he was able to interact with and, you know, other characters to help drive that story. When the middle part, it was just him on the island with, with Wilson. This felt like the entire middle part of Castaway. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like we've seen him do it before. So it's kind of like what, so you're thinking, you know, he can do it. He can, he can carry the whole film with an inanimate object. And in this one, I don't know. And then it also leads like what was left on the cutting room floor that maybe could have added to this that didn't necessarily make it. So, I mean, because they took two years to put out the product. So who, who knows? Like there could have been other stuff. But yeah, I guess it's too... Pal said he would watch it again. Me and you were meh, so. Yep. Just meh. Meh. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. Join me tonight was Pal out in Southern California and Jeanette also in Southern California. This has been At Beat Count. We will talk to you next time. listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Five stars.